Hello, welcome to the Factory Founder Podcast. My name is Andy Obofrebo. I'm a product lead at Founders Factory Africa. On today's episode, we're talking to Kudigo. So I have with me the CEO of Kudigo, Kingsley Abroqua. Kingsley, hi. Welcome to the Factory Founder. Hi, Andy. It's great to be here. And we also have the Vice President of Product at Kudigo, Irina Oduro. Irina, welcome. Thank you, Andy. Happy to be here. A uh, big fan of, of your company, of your product, and of yourselves. <laughs> so I think for those who've been living under a rock and are not fans, tell us what is Kudigo? What do you do? So Kudigo really is a digital commerce startup. We consider ourselves the foremost digital commerce startups on the continent trying to create solutions for last mile retail. So think about Kudigo as what you get when you combine Shopify and Square. We've built a unique product for the African market that seeks to revolutionize how retail is now on the continent. And so far, it's been a great experience and we're loving every bit of it. I like to hear that. I like to hear founders say that they're, they're loving every minute of solving a very difficult problem that would have me cursing all through the night if I were the one. <laughs> so my next question would be, what does your current solution look like? What is your product offering? Maybe I'll, I'll hand that one to Irina. We currently have a variety of products out. One of them, the most popular one so far is Storefront, where we have a solution, especially for enterprises and SMEs, where they can kind of manage the whole business with a selection of tools that we've created and built for them. So that this means sales, inventory, reporting, customer campaigns, the possibility to also have an online e-commerce shop linked to storefront. And we're currently also expanding this into making sure that customers online can also have a sense of security when buying online. We have a new product coming up that's called Verify Buy, where we want to make sure that the social media space when it comes to buying and selling, which happens a lot, can be done in an efficient and secure way for both the retailer and the consumer. But of course, you didn't start here. So Kingsley, I'll come to you and ask you about the journey between 2017 when you founded Kudigo and today. Where did you start? How has the product evolved? How has the mission and vision evolved and the company itself? I think the mission and vision of Kudigo as thankfully still remained the same. And the mission has always been to redefine consumer retail in Africa, focusing on last mile retail. When we first started, we wanted to solve one single problem. And that problem was the fact that although 90% of consumer retail in Africa is done within the informal retail space, these people were the most marginalized when it came to every aspect of their business from access to capital, the ability to scale, being literate on how to do commerce, and a whole lot of things. So we wanted to ensure that we could use technology to empower them to be able to grow their business, to be able to scale their business, to be able to access funding, and overall have an impact on their communities. And so Storefront was built to solve that single problem, being the first sort of Africa-centric solution that works offline, doesn't require too much hardware cost, is a very usable software, integrates payment, integrates analytics, and everything they wanted for their business designed with them in mind. Um, since 2017, I mean, we've been very fortunate to work with amazing merchants across Ghana and Nigeria. And today we support over 60,000 merchants in both countries with our storefront solution. And it's been interesting watching them evolve 
in their business from somebody who has a stack of notebooks to someone who now has everything digitized thanks to Storefront and has been able to scale their business thanks to what we set out to do. So the vision really is still the same. Although, like Irina said, there are various products that address various aspects of the business's needs as they evolve. Speaking of storefront, Irina, you said that it's your most successful product right now. Mm-hmm. About how many users using storefront right now, active users, however you want to measure it? 60,000 users. Wow, that's that's big for e-commerce in West Africa. Yeah, it is. It is. And we, we've, I mean, it took us some, some time to get there. But we've been really dedicated in making sure that we build a solution that works, where we really sit next to the merchants, even in, in the Nigerian space and in the Ghanaian space, and really understanding how they run their business and what we can offer for them to thrive on that. And in those conversations with the merchants, because I'm always, I think our listeners are always keen, keen <laughs> to hear about customer insights and user insights. When you talk to the merchants, what would you say is the big thing that attracts them to your product in particular, uh, Storefront, but, you know, just on online solutions in general. What attracts them to that and gets them to say, you know what, the pen and paper I was using before, I finally found something better than that because they like their pen and paper. So what what are you saying to them that's getting 68,000 of them to say, yeah, you know what, this is better? Holistically, our merchants do not see Storefront as a could-you-go solution. They see Storefront as their solution, solving their own unique problems. And that's something we learned very early on, that we need not pitch this product as our innovation to help them grow their business. It had to Mm. be a value add to their business, and it had to solve a problem that they could identify with. So, for example, we have this very famous merchant in Abuja who sells ceramic textiles, right? Textile, Mm. eh, sorry, towels, ceramic towels. And she told us that, look, before she started using storefronts, she had this little stool that she puts in front of her warehouse and she sits there and uses her book to check every single thing coming out of the warehouse. Because if she didn't do that, she was losing money through theft and all that was happening. Today, that stool is a souvenir in her house. Because storefront <laughs> has replaced that entire manual process wow. where the rule at her shop is that if anything comes out and doesn't go through storefront, it's coming out of your salary. Uh-huh. Because storefront tells me exactly how much I have in stock. So if I come and run a check and it's not what it is, I expect this amount of money or you're not getting paid. And she's been on storefront for well over four years. She now has four branches, one in Abuja, one in Lagos, another in Enugu. So really, these are the realities of what sort of technology and what we have always believed that storefront can do not just for us, but also for the entire ecosystem of retailers uh, across. So I wouldn't say it's could it go who has managed to convince them. It's mm. us sort of understanding their pain points and being of service to them that has enabled us to sort of garner distraction. But it's not been easy. I mean, I would tell you, like, we've gone through <laughs> so many, you know, phases of product improvement, you know, customer support. So yeah, it's not been easy, but it's 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 worth it, I guess. And what's your monetization approach for storefront? Is it a subscription or are they paying on transactions? How are you doing it? We're a subscription paid application. So you are you're actually succeeding in getting West African merchants to pay you monthly, <laughs> I think. 
<laughs> I need to come learn yes. from you. <laughs> Monthly. And I mean, we have the option for yearly as well, because, you know, people tend to, you know, lean towards a discount if they have the possibility. But yeah, we've been fortunate enough that people really, you know, see value in the product that they've committed for a monthly subscription plan. Last year, we decided to increase our pricing by almost about 500x. And surprisingly, none of our paid subscribers churned, but rather wow. our free subscriber, we thought right now, we actually caught on the paid subscription because they've used free for so long and they couldn't imagine losing it. So now they are paying us more than they would have paid two or three years ago. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's such an interesting dynamic. You know? So that means basically you, you increased the subscription price, but for the on your freemium yeah. model, you moved away from the freemium. And what was previously free, you, you now yes. started charging exactly. for it. Exactly. And they crossed with you. They crossed. You know, cause, you know because we are an African startup, we right. were pricing in local currency. But most of our billings were in USD. And with the erratic inflation and whatnot, we couldn't be increasing prices every quarter. So we decided, you know, let's just price in USD. Let's just increase it annually. So for something that two years ago, a merchant was paying, say, um, 5,000 Naira a month for a software. Today, they are paying about 15,000 Naira a month. And they didn't churn. And it got me wondering, how have I been losing all that money? Means you've been leaving money on the table for so long. <laughs> but I, I think, know, right? Huh. How, I want, I'm curious how you structured the freemium before that. So what was free and what was only for sub on subscription? Well, we picked a couple of features that we figured that should be obviously on the paid version. We had an option on the freemium. For example, we had up to 50 products because we also have a couple of SMEs that are kind of, you know, like the small container shops or where the, the transfer from using pen and paper to mobile is something they want to test before and get familiar with. So, but they were able to transact. They were able to accept payments and, and hold kind of like a report from their daily sales and inventory in, in, in the application. But there was definitely a limit of 50 products. And then the premium version had just a couple of extra payment options, customer campaigns options. But it gave people enough freedom to test the, the free product and get familiar with it to make the transition to a subscription and a, a bit of a bigger package, but easier. You mentioned channels there. So what are your acquisition channels right now for getting your customers? How much of it is offline, you know, direct sales and how much of it is online? How much is product led? And then secondly, if you're allowed to answer this, or maybe I'll direct this one to Kingsley and what's your acquisition cost looking like, like right now? Yeah, it's one and two, one and two. <laughs> so I think for us, our acquisition, so based on the market, for example, Nigeria, business is driven heavily by our reseller partner program. So we have resellers all across Nigeria who sell the solution for us in return for a commission. So with that, we do very little direct marketing in Nigeria. We rather focus all those marketing resources on our resellers. So for example, mm -hmm. for every subscription that a reseller sells, 15% of that value goes to them as commission. So you can capture that as cost of acquisition of a user, but in reality, it's actually, you know, a, a commission to a, a, a reseller. Right. In Ghana, however, we also, we go through the normal digital ads and, you know, direct to market approach and all that. For that, based on the channels you're using, you're looking at approximately for a full conversion. A, a conversion in our context is somebody who has an active user, not necessarily a paying user. It costs us between 50 cents to about five dollars to acquire a user on um, on in ghana 
But then what we did, I think, two years ago was introduce an enterprise level of the product where we were white labeling the solution for enterprise clientele in Ghana and Nigeria. And the reverse of that is that if, for example, if we offer the solution to a bank who now pays us for 5,000 licenses and they give the license to actual merchants who bank with them, those merchants invariably become Kudigo's merchants. Because when the bank is no longer paying for it anymore, they would pay for it themselves. So that also sort of gives us a, a lot of leverage in terms of acquiring more users at a fraction of the cost, you know, than what we would normally do. But it's different based on the market. And Nigeria is a very unique market for us. So for that, we go strictly with the channel partner network. But in Ghana and other places, we do direct marketing and through partnerships as well. So you have three, you know, categories of channels here. In Ghana, you have direct acquisition yourself. Then in Nigeria, you have through the resellers. And then you also have this basically, you know, be you know, B2B play or B2B2B play, I guess, using the banks who are, so yeah. it's the bank's customers becoming your customers. Now, what, what would you say are the pros and cons of the three channels as far as for could it go so far? Well, the third channel is actually very exciting for us because mm. banks, as we know them, have a lot of money to spend. So it's good to always take their money. Yes, right. And, <laughs> and, and when you do that, they're also not that proactive. So they don't end up using all the licenses within a year. So when they roll over for the next year, they are paying you free money for using licenses. But then as well, because the customers are coming from the bank, they mm -hmm. trust you because their bank says that you use this platform. So that work you have to now do trying to convince them that our data is stored securely, da, 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 da. The bank has done all that for you already. So it makes it very easy to sell and very easy to recoup your money. Whereas the other channels, for example, our reseller program, means that we are always having to create training programs for our resellers, monitoring their performance, so they don't misrepresent our product offering in the market, which is a lot of work, you know, right. trying to track all these resellers across all those places in Nigeria, you know, and it's puts a lot of work on our support team as well. So if left with me alone, I will just sell to the enterprise client, but obviously that is not the way the market operates. So the third option is the best for us because it's easier. The first two is challenging, but also helps you learn more about your business, your customers, the channels, and what you need to do to sort of adapt to the situation. That's Irina, quite insightful. Yes, I agree with you. Oh, yes, go ahead, Irene. You wanted to add something to that? I think like how Kingsley stated, I think all three have their own challenges. Some of them have, obviously, we have different aspects. For example, the, the enterprise product or the white labeling, as Kingsley mentioned, you know, that takes a bit of more customization, you know, also also an element of training, making sure that, you know, that you can also obviously support the bank, give their customers the trust they have in them. So that's really important. And then with the resellers, like Kingsley stated, yeah, we have to make sure that they're constantly up to date about everything regarding Kudigo and what the product offers. But I think mine, my favorite is probably just, you know, the direct to, you know, to our users <laughs> and, the, and our merchants, because that's what excites me the most. That's a product person talking. She's like, I want to talk to the customers. <laughs> I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So coming back to the customers themselves, I'm curious about whether you faced a particular challenge that many e-commerce platforms face and how you are overcoming it. You often hear with the rise of, say, the Instagram vendor, user behavior, the end users for your customers tend to like to shop. Basically, shopping online, they're looking for somebody that they can easily, what we say in Nigeria, hook. 
someone that they can catch who won't run away. So oftentimes customers want to shop on IG or Twitter, get a WhatsApp number, talk directly to the vendor and handle all of that stuff, you know, quasi offline. Is that user behavior that you're seeing in Ghana as well? Is there a difference in that user behavior between Ghana and Nigeria since you're in both markets? And then how are your customers who are building, who are using storefront to face the customers directly? Are they struggling with getting customers to come to their website rather than go to social media for their buys? Sandy, I think you've been eavesdropping on our product sessions <laughs> because you just started describing a product we've, we are about to launch. And like this is like secret service stuff. Like, what do you guys know about us? <laughs> it's what I do. So yeah, like you, you, you hit the nail right on the head because in doing what we do, we see a lot of data. And the data told us that, look, our merchants have launched e-commerce marketplaces, but then they are not using it the way we know e-commerce to work. And not just mm. them. The customers go to an e-commerce website, they'll browse through it, and then they'll go and chat the merchant on WhatsApp and say, oh, do you have right. this thing in stock? Can you send me pictures? Can you right. deliver to me? Mm. Meanwhile, you could do that everything on the e-commerce website. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's just a billboard of advertising of stuff. But the <laughs> transactions happens in Instagram DMs, in yeah. WhatsApp chats and whatnot. So, I mean, as the product team saw this, we decided to ideate about it and see what we could do to our advantage and not just that, but to also build trust around social commerce. Because let's face it, e-commerce in Africa is actually social commerce. It's not e-commerce like what we have in the Western world. People love to have interactions with the people they are buying with, even yes. though it's virtual. Yes. So if they are in their DMs and chatting with them, what we forget to do is when the transaction is about to close in that DM, we should be able to capture that user at that point. And so, Irene, I want to talk about the product that we are about to secretly launch that Andy was disposed. Which is not so secretly <laughs> anymore. Okay, so like Kingsley stated, and I, I kind of gave you a glimpse in the earlier an earlier question. So we created a product where we want to provide the consumer with some security, right? Because okay. <clears throat> shopping on social media can be like the wild, wild west. You never know how genuine or uh, legit the seller is. And it's, it's the, you know, it's very hard to distinguish what's being sold to you if it's fake or real. So like Kingsley stated, like, you know, the conversation in the DM is one that I also have as someone who buys online a lot. So mm -hmm. it's important to make sure that you transition that into a way that kind of caters to both parties. So the merchant and the consumer. What we've provided with this new product where we launched called Verify Buy is a way for the merchant to send the consumer a payment link that is verified and backed by a range of payment gateways where the consumer can click on and that gives the merchant a, a sense of legitimacy, if you want to call it like that. So the money the consumer pays, it gets kind of, it's, it's, it's simple actually, it's so simple that it's almost like, <laughs> it's so simple, I, wanted, I don't want to overcomplicate it. So it gets yeah. kind of holding an escrow. Once yes. the consumer re re receives its product, the merchant receives its money. And That's we right. kind of liaise between the two and made it uh, as transparent in a way that, you know, they they don't have to rely on us too much, but they have also participation in obviously, you know, making sure that the product gets delivered as agreed on and that the consumer does their part by releasing the payment and accepting the product that's been delivered to them. I'm excited to hear that. And I'm really looking forward to when you launch that, because I think you've you've hit the nail on the head by talking about the trust issues that 
a lot of Africans, especially West African consumers. Face. I mean, I myself, I'm an online shopper, and <laughs> for all I, everything I do, I do go in the DMs and be like, please let me see a picture of that thing. Can you show me a picture of actually a video of you holding it and moving around and calling my name so I know that you took it right now and it's not a past piece of oh, it? I am exactly yeah. the same. <laughs> I am exactly the same. If you don't answer me in the DMs, I'll be in your WhatsApp. I might even, like, if I want something, I want it. What's the biggest surprise? that you've you found out talking to customers or having this product out there in customers' hands. One thing that maybe you didn't know about co your customer segment that you found out or <laughs> something that you thought to be true and turned out to be completely wrong. What's the biggest surprise you guys have faced in building this current suite of products? I mean, for me, I think is the fact that Almost everyone we spoke to knows somebody who has been scammed on social media, but have kept it to themselves. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I'm like, you never studied. Like, well, I mean, you know, it's quite embarrassing because you know me, right? And, you know, so it turns out to be much more of a bigger problem than we even thought. And when we started digging up some research around it, the numbers was just staggering like millions have been lost in social media um, scams and here and there and it's so elaborate that these commerce will literally clone a proper um, instagram page so you mm -hmm. think you are doing the actual merchant so you are confident in doing that so the problem is multifaceted but then the other interesting thing too was that Although people were being scammed on social media, they will still go back and go and buy on social media because of the convenience it offers them. So it tells you that there is a problem, but that problem is something that people still can do without, but they wish it could be solved, but they don't know how to solve it. They're like, you know what? If I'm buying five things and I'll be scammed out of two, I'm okay. I'll get a three, you know, and I'll be okay with that. You know, so it, and it's, it's a very unique approach from for a, a consumer perspective that, you know, mm. they will scam you. But yeah, my, myself, like I've been scammed twice. I still buy on Instagram, <laughs> you know, but no, you know, I do it differently. So it's actually a very interesting product and we not doing it only as could go. We're working with a lot of fintechs because the good thing about Africa is that we have a lot of, fintech innovation happening but fintech cannot work in isolation without commerce and so we ensure that this product is inclusive for the entire ecosystem so all the big fintechs you know in nigeria and ghana are our partners for this particular product and we are going live with all of them plugged in now that we know what's next on the product side how does this tie into your wider strategy? I guess I'm asking, what does the future look like for Kudigo? Are you expanding across regions, you know, into new countries? Are you expanding into new market segments? What's the strategy going forward now? I think I will tell you that we've been positioning Kudigo for a very huge acquisition. Like, you know what happened with Flutterwave and Paystack? That is just like, you know, child's play. <laughs> like you know like it's going Ooh. to be wood what's next after a unicorn is there like what a what's a, a, a i don't know fairy dragon. Yeah, so, rainbow <laughs> <laughs> you know and for us i think we've always believed that by the time could go was getting to five to six seven years of, of being in operation we will be at a position where a very very big commerce or data company in the world will want to be a part of this journey and we decided from the very get-go that we are going to be very open-minded about these things because the potential for what we are trying to do is very big. So right yeah. now, all the innovation we are bringing about is to prove 
all the hypotheses that we started with when it was just an idea. Try to make people believe that you can actually do digital commerce in Africa. You can put mm. a software in a shop in, 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 in Ikeja and they will use it. You can get that person who has a little shack to now be able to run e-commerce. We have proved all these things and now we're just positioning the business for growth and scale. But we focus on a lot of, I mean, acquisition talks currently with a lot of big people. So if you're listening out there and you have a few trillion dollars and you want to <laughs> offer it to us, just send me an email. <laughs> It'll be a very quick one. <laughs> send, send him an email. But speaking of emails, how can people find Kudigo? If someone, it's after hearing all of this, they want to get their hands on the app or they, they're thinking about subscribing, signing up, where do they go? Well, obviously they can go, if they're interested in the app, we're on Play Store. They can go to our website, kudigoinc.com. And our Instagram handle, Twitter, Kudigo. I think if you press Kudigo, it will just pop up on your Google search. There's so many avenues you can reach us. And I'm sure there's, if you're looking for some more business-related things, you can find Kingsley on his LinkedIn. <laughs> Mine as well. Yeah. And you should also check out um, verifybuy.com. So that's V-E-R-I-F-I-B-U-Y, verifybuy.com. We, we are opening up for a private beta. So if you're lucky enough, you join the exclusive people who, when we go live, not only will we secure your money, but we also offer free delivery. So if you're listening, go to verifybuy.com and join the invite list because this is bigger than toasted bread. <laughs> <laughs> bigger than toasted bread. This is The Factory Building in Africa. We've come to the end of this episode. Once again, I want to thank Kingsley Abokwa and Irina Uduro, thank you both for coming in. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much, Andy and the factory team. They are the CEO and Vice President Product at Kudigo. Thank you.